Today is Wednesday, December 8th. The title for our devotional is Mary, Mother of the Messiah. Today we shift our focus to Mary, as she is the main character in Luke's account of Jesus' birth. It's likely that Luke, a historian who traveled to interview many in the early church to put together his gospel and acts, got this information directly from Mary herself. It's rather unfortunate, but Mary is quite the controversial figure, theologically speaking. So today, we're going to get all the controversy out of the way, and the rest of the week, we will simplify our discussion of Mary to what the text says. Before we begin with that, however, let's yet again read our passage for this week. Luke 1, 26-38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. As I said earlier, there is a ton of theological controversy surrounding Mary, not the least of which is the virgin birth itself. To many scholars and readers steeped in the modernism of the 20th century and the post-scientific revolution, the notion of a virgin birth is simply an unbelievable miracle that was inserted later by followers of Jesus. Their arguments often boil down to these three. One, it isn't mentioned much by the apostles in their writings. Two, the word translated virgin can simply mean young woman. And three, other pagan mythologies could have been the basis for this claim. Think Hercules and Zeus. The virgin birth of Jesus is then just a polemic against those. Alternatively, however, there is good reason to believe in the virgin birth. One, it has been a doctrine of the church from the beginning. Uh, Secondly, Christians must believe miracles are possible. To believe otherwise would be to deny the resurrection. So is a virgin birth, in that sense, really harder to believe than the resurrection of Jesus? Not really. Third, the term virgin can mean young woman in both Hebrew and Greek. But the verbiage translated virgin in verse 34 is literally, I have not known a man. Not a lot of linguistic wiggle room there. Fourth, it's theologically important to establish the dual nature of Jesus being both fully God and fully man, as the text alludes to here that he will be called the Son of the Most High. He identifies with humanity and his human nature, yet he is not infected with humans' original sin. He could, therefore, be the atoning sacrifice for all humanity. And fifth, Luke and Matthew both present the events of Jesus' birth unequivocally as a virgin birth. Moving on, if you have a background in the Catholic Church, you would likely have heard a lot about Mary, or even prayed to her. If you have a background in an evangelical or Protestant church, you have likely heard very little 
of Mary. The theology surrounding Mary is one of the primary disagreements between the Roman Catholic Church and the Protestant churches. When I was in seminary, my church history professor was working on a collective statement between evangelicals and Roman Catholics, and he said their statement on Mary was almost impossible for them to come to an agreement on. So this is an oversimplification for time, but there are two major reasons for the Roman Church's emphasis on Mary. First, over the centuries, the Catholic Church developed a theology that Mary had to be without sin in order for her to carry the sinless Jesus in her womb. For Jesus to be without original sin, they reasoned, the one who carried him must also be without original sin. Therefore, she had to be born without original sin. This doctrine is known as the Immaculate Conception, not to be confused with the miracle of the virgin birth. In my view, this is an overreach and an unnecessary addition to what the text says about Mary. Second is the Catholic understanding of merits. Merits from deceased saints that exceeded the requirements for them to enter heaven, which is a problematic theology in itself, could be imparted to those in purgatory or even those living today who are lacking merits to enter heaven. This theology laid the groundwork for the selling of indulgences in the history of the church as well. Mary had plenty of additional merits that could be imparted to other believers, so by praying to her, these merits could be imparted to others. Due to these theologies about Mary that developed outside of the biblical text, the Catholic Church had, at least in my view, an inflated view of Mary. The evangelical church, however, often talks too little of Mary. It seems to me that this is a retaliation against the overemphasis in the Catholic doctrine. Many evangelicals came out of the Catholic Church where they were taught this, I think, bad theology, so they steer towards avoiding it altogether. Tomorrow, we'll simply look at what the text says about Mary. I went through this to hopefully clear up some stuff for you about the theology surrounding Mary, especially if you came from a Catholic background, so you have clarity on what we believe about Mary. For additional content today, I've linked you to an article in the Gospel Coalition, uh, generally on Roman Catholic theology. Uh, on in the article, scroll down to number two under the section Divergences for a more thorough explanation of the differences in how Protestants and Catholics view Mary, theologically, that is. For reflection today, think of your theology of Mary. Do you have clarity on why we don't pray to Mary in our church tradition? Do you have clarity on the relationship between salvation by grace alone through faith and our works or our merits? Again, in our view, we believe we are saved by grace alone through faith, that our works do not contribute to our salvation these are super important, and if you come from the Roman Catholic tradition, your theology around Mary especially may be worth revisiting.